Good morning. I'm Weemala, and today is May the 1st. Uh, kind of a dreary day for us here. Just overcast right now, not a lot of sunshine. Not, actually, it's all gray. <laughs> so we're moving into May, moving into spring and summer very slowly, but we're moving. I think we may be finishing up with uh, Gil Fronsdale's book, The Issue at Hand, but we've been jumping around. So what I'd like to read today, it, there are two short sections. One is called Responding to Tragedy, and the other is Questioning as Practice. And I don't think I've read these yet. So what I'd like to do is read the short essay, Questioning is Practice, first, on this Sunday morning. Attent Here's the Dhammapada verse from Dhammapada 21. Attentiveness is the path to the deathless. Inattentiveness, the path to death. The attentive do not die. The inattentive are as if dead. Questioning is practice. In my first question to a Buddhist teacher, I ask, what kind of effort is needed to practice Zen meditation? He questioned back, who is it that makes the effort? His response made no sense to me. The conversation came to an immediate end. As I mulled over this exchange, I concluded that I would have to answer both my own question and his counter-question for myself. In doing so, I discovered that there are certain spiritual questions that we answer only through our own direct experience. Over the years, a series of such questions have motivated and directed my practice. A question of this kind propelled my early Zen practice. How can I be alone in the company of others? In other words, how can I interact socially without fear and ego? The question loomed in importance after a period of solitude in which I discovered a freedom and peace that was unsurpassed by anything I had experienced before. Rather than turning inward, Solitude as a solution, wait a minute, Rather, I didn't read that right. Rather than turning towards solitude as a solution to my difficulties in the world, the question prodded me to keep exploring and practicing in social life. Later, another question directed my Zen practice. How do I, how do I participate most fully with the issue at hand? Or how do I overcome the tendency to hold back and feel separated from whatever I am doing, whether it is breath meditation or chopping vegetables? This proved to be a very useful line of exploration because it kept my practice focused on what was happening rather than on ideals, hopes, or self-preoccupations. I didn't look to my teacher to answer these questions, nor were these questions, hmm? nor were these questions that called for pat answers. They were to be answered anew in each situation. 
Richard Baker Roshi, one of my first Zen teachers, encouraged his students to reflect at length on our concerns and questions until we found their kernel. Many of us tended to conjure up long narratives from our lives and personal relationships as preludes to asking for advice. Or we would ask abstract questions about Buddhist philosophy. As an alternative to such questions, Baker Roshi directed us to refine the question down to the core of the identity, intention, or viewpoint upon which it rested. For example, when I was kitchen supervisor in the monastery, I had difficult relationships with my crew. I didn't rush off to a teacher to describe the difficulties and ask for advice. Instead, I lingered with my inner tensions until I realized that my contribution to these tensions was a fear-driven desire to be liked by everyone in all circumstances. Realizing this, I found it more productive to come to terms with the need to be liked rather than to fix the external relationships. And in attempting to do so, questions eventually focus the inquiry. Who is the self that wants to be liked? And who is this self that is afraid? At the time, I did not know how to answer. However, much like that first counter question, who is it that makes the effort? These questions provided motivation to continue my practice. Often the greater the meditative stillness that holds an essential question, the more likely a resolution will well up from within. I experienced this when I faced the question of whether to begin graduate school or to enter a Buddhist monastery. When I gave mindful, non-reflective room to my inner sense of struggle and discomfort, I was surprised that a remarkably clear decision arose to enter the monastery. Later in Burma, key questions continued to propel my practice of intense vipassana meditation. One was, what is it to be thorough in the practice? Another was the classic, what is the self? A distilled version of who is it that makes the effort? And who is the self that is afraid? With wills almost of their own, these questions spurred me to keep drawing attention away from my preoccupations and back to investigation. My Vipassana teacher, Sayadaw U Pandita, reinforced this approach. He was strict in directing his students to investigate their direct experience instead of asking abstract existential questions. He had, a, he had a tremendous confidence and insistence that if we look deeply and clearly enough, we could discover whatever is needed for becoming more awake and free. The only question that seemed appropriate and universal was, what is this? We were to cultivate an unbroken and relaxed investigation to, consent, to continue seeing ever more deeply 
into the particulars of the present moment's experience. In practicing mindfulness in this way, I found it useful to turn the question, what is this, back toward the quality of the awareness that knows or is investigating. Such turning of attention back on itself can have a number of fruits. It can highlight any grasping, aversion, or complacency that has become mixed in with how we practice. Perhaps more profoundly, it can reveal the clearly insubstantial nature of our self-concepts, that is, of all concepts of a self, of a knower that experiences. The ultimate value of inquiry within Buddhist practice lies with strengthening our trust, equanimity, and capacity to remain open in all circumstances. And when meditative equanimity is mature, a simple question, an opening to unknown possibilities, can sometimes release the last threads that tie us to the conditioned world, moving us toward greater freedom. I really love the question, what is this? That question keeps rising for me, or it should. Sometimes I don't remember to ask it when, uh, you know, going through the pandemic, kind of the different stages of how the pandemic was. Um, And the the post-pandemic, if if that's such a thing, uh, this world that we're in now, often, what is this? that question arises for me just in what's going on internally. Um, is, is it sadness? Is it, is it depression? Is it uh, lack of focus? Is it, you know, what, what kind of uh, emotional state am I in? Or uh, when, I'm, when I'm not wanting to connect with others or uh, not wanting to make an effort to do something, that I thought I wanted to do. That question, what is this, would be, I've got to remember, I need to make a big sign that says, what is this? So a good way to be with ourselves, to just always be, always be questioning, what is this? And I like how he always, uh, Gil Fransdale always Uh, distills it down to something very concrete and simple and concise. Good advice. So I think most of these others we have read... He has a really nice section in this called, it's uh, in the appendix, but it's, uh, it's about Theravada Buddhism, Theravada, the way of liberation. Now, in the essay we just read, he's talking about his Zen practice because he's, I think he started out uh, being a student of Zen, but then he, he uh, was in Burma and became interested in the Theravada teachings and Vipassana meditation, the way it's taught in Burma. So 
how about on Tuesday I'll read the, some, uh, some of the uh, highlights from his appendix on, uh, he has nice short sections on Theravada, the way of liberation, and it be, would be good to see his nice, concise points that he writes about Theravada Buddhism. And then we'll be finished with this book. I think all but maybe a few of his essays, but I I recommend getting uh, the free PDF or getting a copy of the book. But it's been out long enough that it's one of his books that you can get for free. So we have time to sit together. So why don't we do that? Whether you're having a busy Sunday today or being with friends or family, uh, it's always good to, to get in our practice to help us be centered and clear with what we're doing for the day or who we're with. There's, uh, there isn't a better way to, to get ready to be, to be out in the world or to be, to be by yourself. So why don't we sit? Just let your body relax. Let your spine be straight. You can be on the floor on your back or on a cushion sitting on the floor or in a chair. Yeah, don't forget this question, what is this? What is this? If if it feels like a mood or it feels like something gnawing at you or if it feels like a heaviness or a lightness, what is this? And I think that's a question that as we're sitting, if you're sitting and something rises up, you know, as part of that investigation of what rises up, the acceptance of it, the investigation, and just then followed by just nurturing yourself, coming back to to balance. That's the question that we can be asking. What is this? What is this arising? What is this sitting? sitting in my gut, what is this pressing on my heart, or whatever. Just keep asking the question. Thanks, Eva. If you can, just close your eyes. And stay with your breath. The breath, the breath isn't magical. It just is our focus. When we can stay, when we know we're staying with the breath, we know we're not distracted. And then just let everything in your body feel relaxed and just let go. Let go of 
compulsive thoughts if you can, not repressing them, but just letting them drop away for now, for this time. Let go of storylines running through your head. And to help you let go of those things, just focus on the breath. Be aware if you're breathing uh, very shallowly, if you're breathing up at the top of your chest. And if you're able to, lift yourself up and let your natural breath go deeper. But you can just be aware It's a shallow breath, or be aware, deep breath. It can be short, it can be long. We can just have an awareness of those things. Especially as we begin to observe the breath, it may feel jerky. We may not feel like we've settled in. That's okay, just keep being with the breath. Bring bring that chin down a bit. If you're like me, you tend to let your chin end up in the air. Bring your, so you feel that your spine is straight from your neck up into your head.
Just keep coming back to your breath. Breathing in, breathing out. May everything we do and say and think be done not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all living beings. And may each one of us be well and contented and live in peace.
Thank you. Have a beautiful day.